0: Number two, the Bill Michaels Show. Good to have you. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there in New Mail Medical. Treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, beyond the borders. One phone number for all their locations. If you're feeling down, feeling moody, feeling sluggish, whatever it happens to be, need to lose some weight or ED's got you down. 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451. That is the New Mail Medical Center. I'm going to be talking some racing coming up here a little bit later on in the hour. Steve Zotke, uh, my, uh, my old guy from over there, RacingNation.com, for a long time. Uh, Steve, I know, uh, has been in and out of Indianapolis, and we're going to talk with him about the record-setting pace yesterday by Scott Dixon down at the Motor Speedway. Uh, we're going to get into that discussion coming up here in just a little bit. And uh, later on today, we got a, we got a bevy of guests. We're good today. Pete Doherty's going to join us about an hour from now, about two hours from now. We're going to talk with Andrew Wagner. Talk some Brewers baseball with him. I uh, got Mike Clemens coming on today to talk about Packers OTA. So kind of loaded today. Now that when you think about it, got a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, 877-867-1670. That's the phone number to get a hold of us. 877-867-1670. Uh, give us a shout. And if you want to hit us up, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Um, Ben, what are you going to do with Lorenzo Kane? Ooh, that is a good question. Talked about that a lot this morning, actually. I was
1: merely pointing out the fact that statistically at the plate this year, he has been worse than Jackie Bradley was last year, which Mm -hmm. is saying something. What do you do, though? I don't know if you do anything because he still is a semi-plus outfielder. Maybe Tyrone Taylor out there. I don't really think the Brewers' problems lie with his bat right now. I, I think health is is I the bigger concern. I don't think so. Either. I agree with that. Yeah. But I I mean maybe more at bats for Tyrone Taylor. We'll see if he breaks out. I don't know what can be done honestly.
0: Um yeah, I I I don't know. He still got great glove. I agree with you. But man, he is just struggling. Just struggling, and on the road this season, he's only batting one seventy, with an on base percentage, by the way, of one ninety six. One ninety six. What do you do? Um, he's well. I mean, I, I think the biggest concern right now is obviously Freddie Peralta and that shoulder tightness. And hopefully it's just a little time off, and he he'll be back. But whenever you get into something like that, um, it's usually not of the best. Uh, it it becomes problematic, and so knock on wood that Freddie's back sooner rather than later, and he's healthy. But yeah, Lorenzo Cain is just struggling to say the very least. His average still sitting at one eighty five. His OPS still sitting at four sixty five. Um, it just. I don't even know how to put it. He's he's not at 100 at-bats yet. He's not at 100 at-bats yet. He's just under. He's sitting at 92 at-bats. 17 for 92. 17 for 92. 25 strikeouts. Only six walks. Only six walks on the season. Which is... Near the bottom, when you talk about the amount of at-bats for uh, the rest. Then again, he's putting the ball in play. It's not like he's not hitting the ball. He's just not hitting the ball harder or at or, or, or in the hole, in the gap. A lot of flyouts. He's got 25 strikeouts. Well, when you take into account, say like Christian Yelich, he, he leads the team in at-bats. He's got 40 strikeouts, but 148 at-bats. Lorenzo Cain's got 25 strikeouts and only 92 at-bats. Christian Yelich still sitting up there at about 243, which is solid. You know, you take it because he can, considering where he was about two and a half weeks ago, Christian Yelich was, remember, he was at 184. Christian Yelich was hitting 184, and his OPS was in the six. Now it's at 752 with an on base percentage of 333. He's at least crept up, and he's still sitting right uh, there tight at five home runs. Hunter Renfro at nine, Riley Telez at nine. Holding steady. Uh, Hunter Renfro, by the way, he continues to raise his batting average at 268 with an LPS now of 812. 812. And Rowdy Telez has gone up. But it's just what do you do with Lorenzo Kane? I mean, you can't, it's not like you, can, you can't you can send him down to the minors. So you're going to keep I, – I we talked about this a little bit on Friday. When you look at Lorenzo Kane, it's going to come at some point that he's going to be a late-inning – defensive replacement and that's going to be it maybe a bat off the bench you know if, if you can get him to veteran wise work a walk or maybe give you a base knock but for the most part he's going to be a defensive guy and that's that's going to be the extent of it he just he's just not finding it He just now he has hit some screamers I'll give you that that just haven't found the hole it's been right at people but Lorenzo Cain just struggling mightily right now mightily at the plate 8778671670. You're not going to DFA him cuz then, you know, you you don't want him to go, you know, somewhere else and so, first of all, you don't want to lose your depth in the outfield defensively speaking on uh, the fact that you've got guys that can play gold glove like def- defense out there and he continues to go up to the wall and rob people of home runs. I mean, you look at his over and under when it comes to numbers. His number's still under in the negative, but he has saved more than a few runs so far this season. And there's something to be said for that, especially when the when the Brewers aren't necessarily lighting it up consistently on the scoreboard by five runs or more, one run or two runs here or there matter. So his glove matters. But what are you going to do with Lorenzo Kane? Just just really tough. Just really tough. Uh 877 uh 1670 Brewers fans, what would you do with Lorenzo Kane? Uh this one's uh, this one comes to us from uh, Chris. Chris says, uh, "Hey, unit, at what point do they go find a bat to replace Lorenzo Cain and just let him out? Let him go outright? Um, I, you're not going to go get a bat yet. I still think it's going to be mid-July before the trade deadline. You're not going to go get a bat yet. I just don't think that's going to happen because what you want is." You know, when we talked about this last week, you want to get this team settled. You want to get your guys back. You want to see what this team on paper, when they're all together, can do. And if you've got a flip-flop, say McCutcheon, for Kane and put Kane at the back end of your, your rotation when it comes to just putting them in in late-inning situations for defensive prowess, maybe you just do that and you stick with what you have. Because you don't want to go out and have to get somebody, you know? You don't want to go out and, and start giving pieces up now and deplete your depth, and then suddenly down the road you're going to need this. I think especially when you have – when you're 11 games over 500, you, I, th- I think what you do is you just kind of say, okay, look, we, we got a three-game lead in the division. We're 11 games over 500. we We've been winning, you know. We've been winning. It's not like we're, we're not winning at all. We've been winning, and when it comes to the rest of the National League, we're only a couple of games behind – one game behind the Dodgers and two games behind the Mets for the best record in the National League, we're okay. For for as much as the problems might be spotlighted, we're okay. The Cardinals won three straight over the weekend. So yesterday with the Brewers lost, they crept back to within three games. You had a four game lead going into the game yesterday. So you're kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, you you can you can deal with this. Um so you're you're not in a position where you have to make a move. I think you just continue to ride the wave and see what happens and then make a very educated move that's going to, you obviously you don't want to give up a ton, but it's it's going to fit what you need to do and not necessarily um, make a move now. And then all of a sudden you have an injury or two, you know, because let's say Freddie Peralta goes down and then you lose. Say Woodruff for somebody. All of a sudden, your starting pitching becomes the priority, not an extra bat for a guy that's struggling when you can merely flip-flop bats. So I think right now you just kind of stand, Pat. 877 1670 1670 Let's go to the phone calls. Let's go to talk to Jerry. Jerry, how you doing today, man? What's going on? Good, Good Bill. How are you? I'm doing well. What you thinking?
1: I'm thinking that maybe, uh, maybe these guys need to bunt a little bit more, maybe a little more hit and run, get these guys off and hitting a little better. I mean, I went, I've i been to a couple of Brewers games this year, and it seems like uh, seems like the infield for the other teams are almost playing at slow pitch depth. I mean, they're playing at the edge of the outfield, uh, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe bring them guys in a little bit. Um, I watch uh, I watch uh, some of the good hitters. I'll lay down a bunt. You know, I'll, they'll try to beat it out or whatever and get a base hit. There's still a base hit when you get all done.
0: They, uh, they had a little spurt there when Craig Council called a couple of hit and runs and dropped down a few bunts and, and kind of left you wondering what, you know, what they were going to do if they were going to start getting into this 90 feet at a time, manufacture runs type of baseball mode. And then they got away from it. I don't know why, but I'm not saying that's totally the answer, but I agree with you. Look, sometimes when things aren't working, you just need to create your own. You know, you just have to do something different to get – remember last year when Christian Yellis dropped a bunt down the third base line, beat it out, scored a couple of runs because of it, ended up kind of turning him around for about a three-week stint. Sometimes you yeah, just got to do something that's different. I'm
2: saying, that's
1: what I'm saying. I, I, I think that would be a good job for Kane to lay down a couple of bunts, get your eye-hand coordination, eye-back coordination back. Yeah. Uh, he never does that. Um, you know, he's, he's been swinging and missing a lot, like you are saying – uh, I would like to see them do that a little bit more often, you know, and, and, and that sometimes that swings the shift back around also. You know, guys mm-hmm. are playing the shift. You lay a bunt down the third baseline. Nobody's home. Um, you know, all right. of a sudden, now we got to watch out for the bunt because it's still a base hit.
0: Right. No, I I agree with you, man. Jerry, appreciate the phone call. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. Let's go to Jamie listening to us. Jamie, how are you doing today, man? What's up?
2: Good. How are you doing?
0: Doing well. What's up?
2: Um, I was going to say uh... – I mean, short of like you're definitely knowing that Kane has lost it. Short of that, um, I, I think he brings a lot to the locker room. So you don't want to necessarily upset that if you got a good camaraderie that way, you know, and you got good spirit, and you know, maybe he's the one that picks other guys up that are down, you know, to talk them through it. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with the previous caller. You know, maybe lay down some buns. Um, I know it sounds silly, but. Maybe you shake him up a little bit in the order. Maybe it's psychological that way. I mean, it's all sorts of different things. You never know. So, yeah, I wouldn't do any. I wouldn't do anything yet. I'm, I'm with you. I would not do anything yet. I would, you know, try to see if you can fix or tweak something. But I would just see if you can come out of it. You know. So, right. Obviously, right. He's, he's put enough pressure on himself to try to do better. So, mm-hmm. I just remember when he was at leadoff. I'm not saying move him leadoff, but when he was leadoff, he wasn't worried about home runs. He was worried about just hitting the ball.
0: Right. No, I, I I agree. I I it, the, the, appreciate the phone call. I first of all, the only time you're dropping down a bunt, okay, I, because I know that's the easy answer. Is it, first of all, it's it's usually unexpected. Secondly, it's not something that they do every day. It's not something that they they even really work on hardly anymore. So, uh, and it's a a high reward, very high risk because you're pretty much giving yourself up unless you ex- unless you execute it perfectly. Bunts usually don't work. Let's be honest, okay? Um, I think Craig Council would rather Lorenzo Cain take 10 rips and see if he can't connect on one than drop down 10 bunts and run the risk of getting on base in one way, shape, or form in that way. I, I, I just, that's just not what they do agree with it or disagree with it. It's just not what they do. So you can move Lorenzo Kane around. You can put him in front of or behind somebody that could protect him. You can do many different things, but I think the only thing that's going to get Lorenzo Kane off the schneid is if Lorenzo Kane gets a couple of knocks. That's it. Nothing more. Unfortunately, I wish we had some great answer that we could sit here and say, Hey, if you did this, this is going to be what works but it's not. You and I both know it. Baseball is the ultimate in marathons, and baseball is the ultimate of you just got to keep doing it. You just got to keep doing it. And and if it's not working, you just got to keep doing it till it works. You try to do different things. You try to say, get on that first-pitch fastball. If they're giving you first-pitch fastball, get on it. That's the one you're going to get. Or if they're giving you a bunch of junk, Sit back and relax and wait. Wait till they get a strike. Or two. To where you get into some kind of a account in which you're comfortable or get a couple of looks at what they're throwing you. You know, I I, there's there's so many different ways to attack it. I don't know. I don't sit there and look at Lorenzo Kane's continued weaknesses. I know low and in isn't necessarily the the best way to go for him. Beyond that, I I don't sit here as some kind of a hitting coach and say this is what's wrong with Lorenzo Kane. What I know is, is that It's not just Lorenzo Cain. I see a lot of hitters flailing, either guessing wrong or just flailing just because they've been fooled by the pitch. You know, it started out looking like one thing and ended up being another. And Lorenzo Cain right now is trying to find an eye. Uh, But like I said, he's given you a couple of hard hits. He's just been right at somebody. Maybe what you do is say, eventually that begins to fall. Those start to fall for you. You just need to get on a run. But once you get into June, okay, once you get into, say, the second week of June, you are what you are. That's it. You don't go up a whole lot or down a whole lot. You are what you are. If you're a 140 hitter, you're going to be a 150, 160 hitter. If you're a 250 hitter, you're a 250 hitter. Unless, of course, you've been ascending coming out of the month of May. But you are what you are. 877, 867, 1670, 877, 867, 1670. Yeah, uh, Laurie says, uh, wait till the uh, end of July and then let's see where the numbers are. Laurie, I hate to tell you, usually, usually, there's not a whole lot of 250 hitters that are suddenly 340 hitters by the end of July. The, 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 the torrid pace you would have to go on to get to that point would be ridiculous. And there's not a whole lot of 250 hitters coming out of the month of May that are suddenly 320 hitters by the end of the season. It just it, it doesn't happen. What you are is what you are after about 100 at-bats, unfortunately. 877-867-1670. Now, there are exceptions to the rules. Let me say that. Don't pigeonhole me into, oh, this is what you said, so it's the law. But for the most part, you are what you are. Stay tuned. Got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. three of the bill michaels show on this monday got the heat and the celtics coming up tonight you got to the brewers tonight uh, they're on the road in san diego and you've got uh, some of the camps the workout camps going on in green bay joining us now on the hotline our friend pete doherty of the green bay press gazette uh, is here talk a little bit more about all of that pete how you doing man good bill how are you today I'm doing well. Um, The discussion I wake up to this morning is how badly the Green Bay Packers do or do not need Aaron Rodgers at OTAs and voluntary workouts and minicamps and all that kind of stuff because of the relationship that needs to be built with uh, the new wide receivers, Dubs and Christian Watson. So give me your thoughts first and foremost there.
3: Yeah. um, You know, you'd rather have a guy there than not. I think I'm in the – fairly small minority and thinking that it really doesn't matter much. I mean you definitely would rather have him there than not and working with Watson and um Watkins. But you know, the the those guys still need to learn the offense. The bulk of it'll be in training camp. And if it does Rogers good to stay away and, you know, just work out on his the own, then if I'm the Packers, I'm fine with it. But like I said, I'm probably in the minority in, in thinking that. And, um, you know, and, of course, you'd rather have them there than not. But I personally don't think it's going to have much of an impact on the team come, you know, November, December, January.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it really means a whole hill of beans, so to speak. But I, the only thing I can say is that what happens when we get to the point that Aaron Rodgers says, you know, by the way, you know, I don't – we're not on the same page yet. At what point do you start looking at a guy going, you know what? You got to be here. You got to be relevant. You got to be a guy that's in the building. If you're going to build a relationship with anybody to say that we're on the same page, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I would, yeah. And I will, I will definitely say after what I just said that it's incumbent on him and the coaching staff, but you know, especially on him to do everything possible when he is here to speed the progress of those guys and to speed that, uh, the chemistry with them and that includes you know being more patient with guys and you know the body language and all that stuff um if this is a lot is incumbent on rogers and he's gotta realize i even saw this with Favre later in his career too i think these guys they've been in the league so long and they know the offense i mean they can you know do it in their sleep they forget what it's like to be a rookie or to be a young guy or to be with a new team um so i you know i think he's gonna have to be
0: Cognizant of that, and instead of snapping at guys, you've got to work with them, you know? Mm hmm. Uh, now, to the opposite side of the ball, I want to get to the defense because the defense is where they significantly, at least on paper, strengthen themselves during the draft in this offseason. Um, so, you know, with the return and, and the contract extension of Jair Alexander, and obviously the depth that they now have, how, first of all, how good do you think this defense can be? And then the second portion of that question then becomes, how much better do you think they become special teams-wise?
3: Uh, the makings are there. They should be pretty good. Defensive linemen especially should be able to make a pretty good impact as a rookie. And, you know, inside linebacker is a tougher position because you got to know the run and pass game. There's so much to learn. You know, they drafted that guy to obviously Walker to play a lot, so I, I, it should be quite a bit better if I were the Packers, the big worry I'd have is the lack of depth at corner. Their top three are good, very good. But if they get an injury there and injuries are, you know, pretty much inevitable in this game. um, I think that depth goes away really fast, at least from what we see right now, maybe, you know, once September hits, it'll look different. But, um, but I, I think they've got the makings to be a top five defense. If those two draft picks are as good as they look, I mean, it's like Alexander didn't even play last year, right? What he mm-hmm. played three or four right. games, so yeah. that's like it. You're adding a, an All-Pro player to the team, so yeah, I think they should be a, we should be really good on defense and um, special teams. I still wonder about their return game because I don't know if they have a good returner or not, and that's a huge part of it. But uh, I suspect just having Biasaccia alone will do a lot for their uh, for their coverage units and special teams overall.
0: What do you make of Shamar Jean Charles?
3: I don't know. He, um, you know, they had, there were opportunities for playtime last year and he, he didn't get on the field. Um, they only played him in the slot. They never played him outside in camp. I don't remember him ever taking a snap uh, outside. So I don't know. I mean, very unimpressive, you know, rookie year. Um, but he's fifth-round pick, and sometimes it can take a year or two with these guys. So uh, big training camp for him. I, I can't give you a strong opinion other than, you know, obviously, just a total uh, non-factor as a as a rookie, and you, I mean, you wonder if they whiffed on it or not. But we, you know, one year is a little quick to to make the call on that.
0: Uh, I love the fact that uh, you still have the same guys in the in the defensive secondary: Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos. Both of those guys, basically, your center fielders that have the knowledge and the ability. And Savage, I love the fact that he still likes to hit. So I, I agree with you. I think this defense can be really strong. The addition of the depth of Rasul Douglas and keeping him around—he's never been a guy that's going to put up a ton of numbers when it comes to interceptions. But he was solid for them last year in a backup role, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, I was um, with uh, Douglas. If you mean right, I—I I, I mean, I yeah, Rasul Douglas, yeah, yeah. I can't believe how how good he was. And the thing was, it wasn't just. And last year was—you're right. It was an unusual year for him where he did actually get some interceptions and. That may not happen this year, but what jumped out to me as much as those as the big plays he made was even when guys were catching balls on him last year, he was right there in coverage. It, he was not getting beat by three yards. So um, I don't think it was total. I don't think it was a fluke that he had a, a good year, and he does look like a good player. And I'll be curious to see. And I don't know if we'll be able to tell from just one practice tomorrow. It'll probably be more from training camp. But I'll be interested to see the rotation that they do at the star position at the nickel corner i'm thinking they're going to use all their guys in there you know it'll be some games and some snaps it'll be alexander others it'll be douglas uh jerry gray kept bringing up uh stokes as a possibility too which i would have thought they'd just keep him on him on the outside but uh I, i'm guessing they're just gonna it's gonna be a week to week game plan kind of thing with that but because the other possibility would be just to play Alexander in there all the time. But I I get the feeling they want to use him like the Rams use Jalen Ramsey, which is all over the place.
0: What do you think of, you mentioned the defensive front. Uh, what do you think of uh, T.J. Slayton? And last year, uh, he there were times he looked good. There were times he looked like, you, you know, this is the reason you drafted him. And then for like a game or two, he'd just go away. He was kind of a non-factor. Ah, uh, do you just expect him to be better this season? Because usually, when it comes to bulk guys, you either have it or you don't. And I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit skeptical about TJ Slayton coming into this season.
3: Yeah, well, that and what you just described was basically, you know, kind of was that was his college career. Um, you know, some snaps he'd look like a just a, a world beater, and then he'd disappear for a while. So, um, you know, a lot will depend on conditioning and commitment. And with some guys, you know, who are like that in college, they get to be on a They don't have school and um, you know, they can really set themselves and their families up with a good career. They really get after it. And uh, other guys just remain the same guy that they were in college. So I'll be curious to see how it goes with him. I don't know if I were them, if I'd be expecting him to make a huge jump, but you'd certainly be hoping there there's definitely ability there. Um, and I think, you know, signing Jaron Reed was to some degree, a, you know, a hedge against, uh, you know, Slate, whether or not Slayton develops the uncertainty there, I think.
0: Talking so with Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You can find him over on Twitter, at Pete Doherty. Um, going back to the offensive side, and, and I we talk so much about the wide receiving core, what we don't talk a lot about is the line. And uh, while I do like Ryan Shea and I do like Zach Tom. Um, I still wonder how good Bakhtiari is going to be coming back. I I wonder where he's at right now. Not that we are getting a lot of, you know, information. And then obviously when Elton Jenkins comes back, but are you worried at all about the depth of this team uh, up front?
3: You know, the draft, um, helped address that some. So, um, if I were them, I'd be a lot less worried about it now than, um, a month ago or however many weeks ago the draft was, um, But I do still wonder, there's got to be concern about Bakhtiari long-term, no matter what they say. That was a really rough recovery from the ACL, a lot rougher than most. And so that means he had more than just the ACL, for sure, the the damage in there. Um, And he could be fine this year, and he could end up playing, You know, have four or five more really good years left in him, who knows. But if I were them, I'd be concerned. And I wonder if that was one of the reasons they went, a little heavy on O-line again this year is if things just don't look for Bakhtiari, then, you know, maybe Elton Jenkins is their, is their left tackle and they'll have, you know, they'll need to fill the right tackle spot. And I just wonder if that's one of the reasons why they went so heavy on the, on the O-line draft again this year, picking three of those guys.
0: The, uh, you had mentioned the the return game and I know that they've got, uh, you know, the thoughts of running different guys back there at this point. Um, but the fact that they picked up Pat O'Donnell and O'Donnell's supposed to be a better holder for Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby's got a little bit of competition in camp. How do you see that going, that kicking game, that return game going? Because unless Mason Crosby is just horrific, i got to think that he's coming back and that Pat O'Donnell's got to be a better holder, uh, not necessarily a better punter, but just a better holder than what Mason Crosby had last year, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's got to be. Um, I still wonder about the the return game. I mean, I didn't see anybody they drafted who looked like they were going to be a good returner. Even Amari Rodgers last year when they said, you know, they brought him in to be the, you know, he was going to be their punt returner. You know, it wasn't like his punt return numbers in college were anything that jumped out at you. So, you know, the the return game, it's still, it's so returner dependent. If you have a good returner, you're going to have a good return game. And I, I think the blocking matters less than the, the talent of the guy, you know, with the ball in his hands. So I still, I mean, if I'm, bad, I'm still betting on the return game being, you know, not so not very good. But um, I guess the key is whether the rest of it's better. And I, I'm sure they're looking at it, O'Donnell as a guy who's going to be a better uh, bad weather punter than what they had last year,
0: too. Is Kylan Hill, uh, I mean, coming back off of that knee injury from last season, would he then go back to being your returner?
3: maybe i wonder although i wonder if they're hesitant to put him back there now because of that injury that was really too bad he got hurt cuz he um i thought he flashed talent in camp and he was actually a pretty decent uh kickoff returner remember that san francisco game right um you know in in the early in the season they kicked the ball with like you know 50 seconds left or whatever they kicked the ball out of the end zone because they didn't want him returning it that saved the packers a valuable time and Mm-hmm. Rogers time to get him downfield to kick that field goal to win the thing. So, there is value there in having a guy who can do it. And I, he's he showed ability at running back too. I just uh, it's too bad he suffered that injury. Now maybe he'll be okay and he'll be the same guy. But you know, a lot of times these guys aren't. And I I thought there was real real talent there. For instance, if this was going to be Jones's last year, um, you know, I saw Hill as a guy who could probably play and play a lot and be pretty good. And, you know, I don't know if he'll be that after the uh, after the injury or not.
0: The uh, the tight end position, Robert Tanyan coming back, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah Aguara Dominic Daphne, those guys, same old, same old. I don't have as much concern for the uh, tight end position as others. Now, granted, you don't have Gronk and such sitting there. It's not like you've in Travis Kelsey and, you know, George Kittle. Those guys aren't that. But I think you've got a decent control, ball control uh, grouping of tight ends, right? Well, they've got
3: different, you know, different kinds of guys they can use in different situations. I mean, I'm just... Uh... I'm I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm just stunned that Mercedes Lewis is still playing. I mean, mm-hmm. what is he 37 now, I think, for a tight end? I mean, that's ancient. So, I just I question how much he's going to be able to help him at at that age. I wonder if he'll even, you know, if there's a chance he'd even end up uh getting cut, although if that was, you know, much of a possibility, I think they would just not brought him back, but there's not a ton of talent there. Now, the one thing is they they will get Tunyon back now. It may not be till halfway through the year. It sounds like all he had was an ACL and there was no other collateral damage, so maybe that'll help him return him. So maybe by December, you know he's a guy who can be making plays for him in the passing game. But uh, you know, I'd, as far as pass receiving goes, they're a little they're a little they're more than a little weak at that position unless Dagua. You know, takes a step. And at the end of last year, he looked a little better, you know, notwithstanding the drops he had or the drop he had against the 49ers in the playoffs. But um, I thought they would drop the tight end this year. I was a little surprised they didn't.
0: Yeah, I was uh I was too. I thought they might go in that direction, but obviously they didn't. Uh and then before I let you go, I wanted to ask you as well. Uh we all talk about June 1st. June 1st being uh, some of the cuts for some of these teams when you talk about roster moves to be made, anything that you would believe is going to be of any significance out there that the Packers may be looking towards.
3: You never know um... Um, you know, I, we talk about this every year, and I, you know, scouts y'all talk to them. they say, oh, there's always June 1st, and it's really rare when it happens. Now, last year they signed Campbell on, like, June 8th or 9th. He wasn't a June 1st cut, but he was sitting out there. And they did free up some money, you know, with the Alexander thing. So I still wonder if there's one more signing that they're still going to make before, uh, um, you know, before camp starts. But I don't know who it would be. I don't know if anybody's going to shake loose June 1st, but uh, – Odds are always uh, more against than for somebody, you know, really worth adding. not saying it won't happen, but um, I, I can't say I would bet on it.
0: Pete, good stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. And then as uh, the offseason rolls on, we'll talk, okay? Sounds good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. There you go. Enjoy the Memorial Day weekend coming up. That's Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You can read his stuff uh, on Twitter, at Pete Doherty, also in the Green Bay Press-Gazette, as I had mentioned and uh, track that stuff down there. He uh, brought to you by our good friends over there. at Stenny's second to National Walkers Point. That's where you can go. Best Bloody Mary around. Award winning, as a matter of fact. And if you're going for games, you want to take the shuttle over to American Family Field or any place downtown for that matter, matter, as as the Milwaukee Admirals are going to be back in town coming up this week as well. They need to get a win because they lost the first two to the Chicago Wolves. So they need to get a couple of wins at home before they go back down 94 into Chicago. So head into Stenny's, take the shuttles over, and Get down to the Admirals games as well, but uh, that is Wisconsin's best sports bar. Stanley, second to National Walker's Point, downtown. You can find them there. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.